Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Harry wakes right to the last Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. I'm Richard Cracknell. I'm kind of wishing I wasn't at the moment. I'm kind of wishing I wasn't a Spurs fan. I'm kind of wishing a hell of a lot of things at the moment. And uh, yeah, uh, where do you start with, with all this? I'll tell you where I'll start. I'll start by introducing our guests who, despite everything this season... Um, they, they've been here, they have been here and they've not let us down uh, much, however much we've just been let down. Yeah, like I was saying, um, there's a lot of things that Spurs have let you down this season, a hell of a lot of things, but the guests on this show really haven't. They've come back week in, week out, show in, show out and try to offer up, uh, you know, some content and some faults and some words. So if nothing else, I will be walking around the pitch applauding them at the end of the season. That's for sure. First up, uh, the calm, measured words of uh, one Mr. John Wenham. Evening, John. How are we doing? Hey, Rich. Doing well, mate. Yeah. You know, despite Spurs once again leaving me in a mood of disappointment, frustration and, and anger, really. Tonight was a, a final chance for the players to show those fans that have supported them throughout the season without being able to attend, that they could put on a show, put on a performance, and again, they let down the support. These are the diehard fans. These are the fans that, despite the obnoxious £60 prices, went out, bought their tickets, went and supported the lads, and they've been let down again. And it's just the malaise of the whole season, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, 
And today the players couldn't even get up to give one last G for the fans of hopefully finishing in a Europa League spot, hopefully finishing above Arsenal, hopefully maybe finishing above West Ham. We've blown all of that tonight. It's really, really depressing. We've left a big hole for ourselves to go at Leicester on Sunday because the players tonight showed they didn't care. This was a poor Villa side. This Villa side lost at Crystal Palace last week. They mm. came to Tottenham today. John McGinn, Jack Grealish able to dominate the game from minute one. We had no response to that. And we just folded over and didn't offer anything. And it's, it's very disappointing that in front of our fans, as I've said earlier, the players didn't bother, didn't care. And that's the sort of feeling we're getting from the club as a whole at the moment. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Uh, before I move on to our next guest, it was a miss of me not to mention that John uh, runs the wonderful Lily White Rose social media account and news and everything. So if you're not across that, please do get across that and follow because it's always good content, even if it is sometimes not the content you'd want to read or the nature of it with the way things are going at the club, but he always brings you some, uh, some good stuff. So it's Lily White Rose on your social medias. Next up, uh, a man I'm sure that is a similar vintage to I and has uh, seen much down the years at this club, but I don't know about you, uh, Jason McGovern, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I can't, I'm struggling to recall the club ever feeling so disjointed, so dysfunctional and the fans disillusioned, even from like the 70s. I, you know, I'm 74, 75 when I went and the relegation season and then the 90s. Jason, evening to you. It is, it's just abysmal, isn't it? Dreadful night again, wasn't it? Um, to think that, I think most most teams felt they would get a, a bit of a boost from having the home crowd and to have 10,000 in there for the first time this season. You get off to that start and you think, right, come on in. And then just, let's be fair, 2-1 flattered us, didn't it? Really? Hugo Hugo got away with one, which is, uh, I thought was a penalty. Mm. A stun that VAR didn't give it. Um, it was no surprise when Villa then equalised. It was then no surprise when Villa took the lead. We had a little bit at the start, the second half, but then the second half, next 20 minutes or so, was much like the first with Villa playing on the front foot and giving us the problems. And it was just nothing, was there? Um, you know, Harry, if that was his last ever appearance at White Hart Lane, was a, was a lame one for him. Sonny, mm. anonymous, really, through the game. Delhi's flicks and tricks from, from at the weekend just weren't there. So many flat performances at one end of the pitch. Um, and then, you know, what can you what can you say about the, uh, uh, the class left back that we've got? Apparently is class. Um, when I haven't even seen Danny Rose or Ben Davis have such a poor performance. So, mm. you know, when you, you threw that in, Eric Dyer, again, caught short a few times. Just could go through that. I, I thought Jaffet apart and maybe Stephen Bergvine. It was nice to see him get a start and score and, and actually look quite confident for most of the game. You know, those two apart. The rest of it was woeful. Harry Winks, I, I bet Ant was going absolutely ballistic through the okay, show. Was. Um, there was just no spark, was there? And if that's that's a performance in a in a game that we're looking to win, backed on by ten thousand fans, then I dread to think what that what that dressing room is like. And um, it was just a, a really dreadful, dreadful game and a dreadful night. Yeah, absolutely, uh, John. 
coming to you and um you know we, we've all seen the game there's really not much to be taken from it at all it's uh i mean such a bright start from with with bergvine and the goal and it was fantastic and you know he's coming tonight and it raised a few eyebrows when he when he made the start in 11 as did winks and undembele yet again not getting a start but he repaid um, that faith, and as Jason said, he had a, he had a fairly decent game tonight. Just just him alone in the time he was on the pitch, and a fan a fantastic goal. But I'm just I'm absolutely baffled and struggling to see how just how you can make a start like that, a bright start, a great goal, and yet regress so far. It within the game within that first half, just to let the team back in is just something utterly sick running through Tottenham Hotspur at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It was like the players just made the unilateral decision that one goal was going to be enough. You know, we scored Brighton early and that's it. We've done the job. Well, no, football doesn't work like that. It's a long game. Villa, as we mentioned earlier, have got great players and John McGinn, Jack Grealish, um, Ollie Watkins up front, who can cause you problems at any time. And we didn't respond to that. We let them take control. And it, and it was just, you know, a dismal performance. But on Bergie, I have to say, I put a tweet out when I saw the team news. I was really pleased he was in the lineup actually because he had the call up for the Netherlands uh, Euro squad in the week. I thought that would give him some confidence anyway that they're still, you know, interested in picking him considering the disappointing season he had. He hadn't actually scored a league goal until tonight. Um, so yeah, I thought he would have some confidence, and I was delighted to see that pay off with his finish. And he's a player capable of that. He's sort of another player that you think that maybe under a new manager. That's mm. like a brand new signing, you know, because remember when he came on the scene, he scored that wonderful goal against Man City. He scored that goal against Man United after Project Restart. He scored against Wolves. He scored a, a whole host of goals, I think three in his first four home games. And he looked a really exciting young Dutch international player that wasn't scared to take people on. But under Mourinho's coaching this season, we've seen that taken out of him and effectively just become a, a backup, double up to a fullback showing no attacking instincts, no ability to run past people. And it seems his confidence has been drained in the way that Luke Shaw's confidence was drained and many other players at Manchester United when Jose was there. So hopefully yeah. under a new manager, he can rebuild that confidence and get back to the exciting player we signed for £23 million that was being watched by lots of the top clubs. I mean, he's not a complete write-off, like people are saying. I have good faith in Steven Bergwijn and hopefully tonight gives him a bit of confidence. I would then hope he starts again at Leicester. Hopefully he can get another goal and he can go into pre-season and to the Euros feeling good and confident about himself because there's no point us continuously signing players, losing their confidence and then just writing them off. We have to try and rebuild some of these players. And Bergwijn, for me, has shown enough in the times he has played that he's one worthwhile doing that, whereas some of the others haven't shown enough. Um, you know, I think it was interesting tonight again that, um, you know, Ndombele was, was only chosen to be on the bench. He did come on and he, he did look good when he came on, but he was playing against tired legs. Um, but but no, he, he showed something. And that's what I want to see from my subs when they come on. I thought he showed something. Even Matt Doherty actually came on and at least gave some options on the right-hand side. He was getting into positions and space, um, whereas we haven't seen anything from him this season in terms of a positive contribution. So, so, you know, again, let's try and build some confidence out of our players. But tonight's a real low ebb, you know, because performances across the pitch were poor. And the fact that Villa felt confident enough to bring on two 17-year-olds from their hugely yeah. successful FA Youth yeah. Cup, they're, yeah. you know, they're away to Tottenham. 2-1 up and they're bringing on two kids yeah. to give them a bit of confidence. That should never be happening to us. No, no. You know, no, they should be quite scared volumes. they should be bringing on centre-halves to hold on. They're bringing yeah. on attacking youngsters. Yeah. It was yeah. damning tight. It really was damning. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that really was damning, as you say. I was going to say, I thought they brought Ben Foster on in goal as well at one stage. <laughs> 
Oh man, it's just uh, this. I've got I've got a question for for both of you. I'll start with you, Jason and John. Kind of alluded to it. How much of this at present is just needing a coach that these current players buy buy into? And can a, a coach that they do buy into the right coach, the right manager coming in? Uh, and as, as John said, with Stephen Bergvine and with one or two others, almost you know, like a reboot, just switching off and starting it again. Can these current crop of players come back under a new manager and get us to a satisfactory level? I'm not saying that there's not players needed, but there's got to be more there with a manager they buy into, surely. I think a, a new manager has got to bring improvement for sure. Um, you know, I mean, it's we have been shocking for most of this season, and yet, you know, we, we may well miss out on a Europa League slot. But the fact that we're on game thirty-seven, thinking a win tonight and, and it's it's in our hands, shows you there isn't much of a you haven't got to improve it that much to be closer to the level you want to be at if you yeah. if you see what I mean it's as if yeah. this is the worst we can possibly be and we're still in touching at a chance of getting a, a European place so you know I'm sure a new manager with a proper organization a lift confidence boosted amongst some of those players you'll see you'll see three or four more wins in the course of a season and that puts you where you where you you're looking to be for next year rather than rather than looking over your shoulder but you know there's a lot of work to be done and I think the problem next year as, as we talk about rebuilds will be introducing you know seven or eight players into that squad and hopefully that brings a little bit of fresh hopefully those seven or eight come to the club confident because they've had good seasons where they've been and, and therefore they're coming to the club confident of showing some form rather than um, rather than some of those are walking around with their you know with drooping heads or whatever but um you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done on some of those players. Reggion certainly is one that is, you know, even after, before tonight, he's he's tailed off completely. He needs a, a reset for sure. Um, you know, defensively, we know our problems. I think Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg was just, is just leg-weary. And I, I certainly hope Oliver Skip will, will enable us to mm. give him rests next year in some of those games. Where, where you can play Hoiberg in 30 of the 38 league games and he, he gets arresting a lot of the cup ties and things where, where Oliver Skip comes in. And even with 20 minutes to go when he's on a yellow card, you can bring Skip off the bench and make sure he doesn't get himself, you know, booked and sent yeah. off or anything like that. So there's lots of improvements you make. And I think fresh ideas, a fresh reset, I'm, I'm sure we'll be better next year. It's, it's how good we will be and... The, th the thing is, I expect other teams to be better next year as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. John, for you, that, that same question, because I know you alluded to it at the, sort of the start there, saying with Bergvine under a new manager, might well, you know, pick up. And there's a few others. So, I mean, even if we don't bring anybody in, I know that we, we, we kind of need to, but surely, surely under a manager that they buy into, it can be better than this. I'm just trying to give people some hope that this is a situation rather than all of these players. Yeah, absolutely. Look, let me give some positivity to the fans here. For me, there's a core group of players that under proper coaching and management would be giving significantly more than they are at the moment. 
and that would come with confidence, positive results. And then you add a few additions. No one's saying we don't need additions. We definitely do. We need four or five additions, in my opinion. And that's without Kane going, which would need significantly more if he were to go. But let's just look at the basics. So you've got Lloris. For me, he's still a very good keeper. I know some people whinge about his distribution, but he's, he saves us way more times than he doesn't. He's still the mm. France captain. He's still going to the current Euros as their number one. He's a very good keeper. So start mm. with that. Then for me, you've still got Alderweireld, who can be one of your four defenders. I'm not saying it's a start every week, but he's good enough. He's going to the Euros with Belgium. He's captained Belgiums on several occasions. He's good enough to be one of your four. Then you've got Joe Roden. I think he's shown enough promise in the appearances he's made that he can be one of the four. And I'm not putting them in any order. Then you've got Jafet Tanganga, who's also proven to be good enough to be one of the four, who can also cover two positions in right back as well. I still see him as a centre-back. I remember him in his youth days. He had some fantastic performances and was a real danger from set pieces in the other box as well, um, scoring against the likes of Real Madrid's youth team and others. Um, so I still think there's a good defender in Jafet as well. And if he isn't going to play, then let's loan him for the season um, to a team where he's going to play every single week. I think there's a, a player there, certainly. And that's aided by the fact he was called up to the England 21s. Regulon, yes, he had a poor game tonight and he's been poor in recent weeks, but actually the first half of the season he was outstanding. And a lot of people were saying he was a signing of the summer, he was getting called up for Spain, etc. I feel like under a proper coach and a bit more of a settling in period, he's still a very good player. You then move further down the pitch. Uh, Jason said Oliver Skip. I think Skip's an outstanding prospect. Mm. People forget two seasons ago, he actually started a Premier League game for us against Southampton at Wembley. Didn't look out of his depth whatsoever. So this further period of building into the squad, which he had last season in just the sub-appearances and the minutes here and there, and then this last season on loan at Norwich, playing week in, week out, will have done in the world of good. And you'll come back confident, feeling like I can challenge for a place straight away in this Tottenham team. Now, people are saying, oh, you might come in for Hoybier here and there. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if within five or ten games he's starting ahead of Hoybier, and it's Hoybier that's the backup for Skip. I think Skip is very, very good, reads the game exceptionally well, has got a good understanding and plays well above his years. So I'm confident that Oliver Skip will be a positive addition for the squad. So you've got him and Hoybier, who I rate highly as well. He just played a lot of football, Hoybier. As Jason John, just quickly on, on Skip, is yeah. he, it's a massive step up even from the Championship no, no. to the Premier League. You, 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 you're confident that he can make that step? I've got no doubts he'll make that step because he's already played a couple of games for us in the Premier League. It's not as though he's coming cold to this. He featured in the Carabao Cup win at Arsenal as well, which is a big level game. He featured in the Carabao Cup win at West Ham. These are big, mm. high-intensity games and he showed no fear and he was absolutely fine and didn't phase him. He's gone off and played an entire season with Norwich in most people's championship team of the year. They loved he'll him, be absolutely didn't fine. I've Norwich got no doubt loved him. Norwich loved him and he's also going to be around better players. He's not mm. going to be in there with Alex Ketty in the midfield. He's going to be around, you hope, better level players that will then give him that confidence. Oh, I've got no fear. As long as fans give him a bit of patience, those first three to five games, they don't give all that, oh, what does he do when he's playing it backwards and all that sort of crap. People have got to get behind the player. He's a homegrown lad from Hartford, loves Tottenham, boyhood fan. He'll want to come in and change this as much as any of the rest of us. So we've got to give Skip time. So I'm confident in him. I said Hoybier. I still think Endombele can be a, a top player under a proper coach. He needs to improve his fitness. Let's not hide from those facts. Mm. You know, he needs to be able to do 90 minutes. We can't play... 65 million quid and 200 grand a week player that's unable to complete 90 minutes and at the moment fairly often looks more like a foosball player than, than a football player you know he's not good enough he needs mm. this summer to get onto his fitness levels and improve them whether that requires the coaching at Tottenham as well as hiring extra personal coaches and nutritionists I don't know but whatever he was on before this global world plan or whatever it was called didn't work it needs to work this summer so that straight away there's three midfielders that you can build something around Deli Ali is another player I'm not prepared to write off just yet I think Deli Ali. As his numbers speak for themselves. People talk about Mason Mount now doing this, that and the other. Ali scored more goals than him at the same age. You know, it's, yeah. it's a quick game football. People write, people, Lingard's gone to West Ham, smashed, smashed it, 
Ali's a better player than Lingard. I'm telling you, he just needs confidence mm. and the right coaching ability and, and the right people around him. Maybe Ali, I'm just judging this off some of the social media pics I see and the people he associates himself with are sort of the promoter wannabe boys from Essex and, and Loughton and that to go out to Ibiza and Dubai. He needs to cut those guys off. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that's all well and good. And, and if you're performing well, like three lashes in with them and Madison and look, they're performing well. Well, Ali's not performing well. You need to cut those guys off and just focus on the football and the guys that got to you to where you were. You know, maybe yeah. he needs to go back to hanging about with, with Eric Dyer. They had a close friendship and that seems to have petered out. Um, so, look, you know, then there's obviously Son, who I think is world-class and could get into most teams in the world. Yes, he's gone off the boil a bit tonight and in other games, but he's still got 17 league goals and he's still the third top goal scorer in the Premier League. That's mm. a fact, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. look, there's phenomenal players there. Harry Kane, of course, you know, I pray that he stays. And I think he will stay. I think he'll ask to go. And I think it'll be a fair conversation. Look, you're worth 150 million to us. If someone pays it, you can go. I don't think anyone will be able to pay it, you know, because I think we can rightly say it's got to be one lump sum payment as well. We don't need to be accepting five payments, you know, to, to, for Harry Kane. It's one lump yeah. sum payment. If you ain't got the money, tough shit. You've got to stay, you know, and he's got a, yeah. a three-year contract. He's paid very well. He lives 10 minutes from the training ground with his young family. It's convenient for him as well, you know. Let's not forget that. It's very convenient for him to play for Tottenham on very, very good money, to be the captain of England, to be respected like a loyalty, you know, and loved by everyone at the club. Um, so I think he'll end up staying and, and he'll get on with it he won't hand in a transfer request he knows the effect that'll have he knows the loss that'll have on your sort of loyalty bonus when you leave a club that's not spoken about very much but if you hand in a transfer request you lose a significant sum of money yeah. as well Yeah. Um, so players are cautious about doing that and he'll be cautious about his legacy at Tottenham not wanting to do that as well mm. so look there's a good core of players there we've got Sessignon coming back as well this is a guy we spent £30 million on he's gone off and played 28 games in the Bundesliga He'll come back pre-season. Hopefully, he can offer something. So, look, we need additions. No one's saying we don't. But there's yeah. a core of players under the correct coaching that can do something next season. But, yeah, we've got to get rid of some players as well because there's too much dead wood that brings down the morale in the squad and the negative energy we've talked about multiple times on this show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jason, uh, on this issue of uh, Harry Kane, can you see him staying? Do you think Do you think he'll go? I'm kind of with John... I'm not sure that anybody out there during this current period of uh, world events is going to push the, the boat out. And if they do, it's got to be, it has got to be sort of £150 million, pounds, hasn't it, to, to get him? Yeah, I certainly think um, whether someone can drive Tottenham down to 120 or something like that. Um, I think if, if Daniel Levy gets 120 guaranteed, uh, it might be something, uh, but it, it can't be one of these. We'll get, as John says, spread over three or four payments, and you get sixty million up front and thirty million for this. And and if, if every time the team that he joins wins a title, you get a five million bonus. So it might be hundred and fifty, but at the moment you're getting for sixty million. No, it's got to be a one-off payment. The only the only thing that that kind of with Kane and um, this is certainly not against Harry. I'm sure every manager would want him, but the uh, the Haaland thing might just come in handy for us as well. Because if you if you are a, if you are at one of those super clubs and you think we're going to get Harry for 120, 130, whatever it is, million quid, we're going to get four years out of him. Yes, he's Premier League proven and things like that, but he he does pick up injuries and things like that. Or when you know that in 12 months' time. You can go and get Haaland for 60, what is it, 66 million because of the buyout. It's only 66 million. Yeah, it's 66. And you've got him for you got him potentially for 10 years. Mm. 
you got him for yeah. 10 years for yeah. half the price that you're going to get Kane for five. So, you know, the, the old sporting directors and the financial directors at those clubs, I'm sure would be saying, hold on a minute, this, do we really want to do this? Or actually, if we've got that type of money, let's go and test Dortmund this summer and say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do a 90 million for it now and mm. jump the gun a bit. So I think, you know, I still think City, it makes more sense to sign Haaland than it does to sign Kane, bearing in mind the finances involved. Yeah. Uh, as a player, of course, you know, I, I totally understand why everyone wants Kane. But so I do think it will be at Tottenham next year, but it will purely because of the finances of the deal make it difficult. But yeah. let's be honest, in 12 months' time, we'll be having the same conversation. And then when you're getting down to two years, you know, whether, whether, whether Harry can end up extending his contract by one year or something like that, I, I don't know. But mm. I do think Harry will be there, but it won't be because he, he necessarily wants to be. And I think we, let's be, he deserves better, doesn't he? Yeah. He deserves yeah. so much better than yeah, this mess. Does. But, you know, yeah. if he's, if he does stay there over the course of the summer and you do start making one of the, I mean, Daniel Levy's program notes tonight, uh, they're words. They're not actions. We have to see the actions. Mm. Their words are saying, no, we, we, we know we've gone away from what was important. We have got to get back to on the pitch. Although he does point out we spent 250 million quid in two years and, and people do forget that. Mm. But um, whether, whether enough can be done over the summer to convince Harry by by the end of July, for instance, look, I'll commit for one more year. I'll definitely be here so that we don't have it rumbling all the way on to the start of next season. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Lads, can I just come in there? Just, yes, you know, something on, I'm going to say that might be unpopular at the moment. I, I want to give a bit of credit, actually, to Daniel Levy on one thing here and one yeah. thing only. He was the one that's the foresight to get Harry Kane to sign down for that six-year contract. You know, he's very, very good, actually, Daniel Levy at getting our star players to sign down for a long period of time in the knowledge that, you know, it protects our position. At other yeah. clubs, that wouldn't have happened six years for Harry Kane. It would have been a four years or five years, four years probably. Mm. Um, he's done well there. And the other one I want to ease people's fears with a little bit. A lot of people say, oh, son's going to follow him out. Son's going to follow him Look, I've heard from a couple of people that I trust very, very highly at Tottenham that son has already signed the new long-term deal. Tottenham feel cautious about announcing it at the moment with their borrowing of the Bank of England loan. Yeah. Uh, and the, delaying the repayment of that to then announce a huge mega deal of four or five years on 200 grand a week. I've heard that's already happened uh, around the time when the Sun documentary came out. There's a unique sunny hashtag was added to Twitter, which we've not seen for any other Spurs players um, and, and a few other Sun related media things came out from the club. I understand it was done around then. Um, so to ease people's fears a little bit, I'm willing to put myself on the line a bit and say, you know, I've yeah. heard from very reliable sources that Sun has also signed up long term. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, um, but a bit of credit to Levy for getting Kane to sign that six-year contract. Because people said, oh, it's unfair on Kane. Look, he was offered 200 grand a week over six years. That is a lot of moolah for anybody. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, yes, it's harsh. Yes, he deserves more. But also, he's been our striker in three of those four finals that we haven't scored in. We had a league season where we got more points than Man City have got that are going to win the league. We scored more goals than Man City who are going to win the league in that season. And we didn't win anything. We've been fairly unlucky as well. You know, we've got to we've got to the big occasions. We've got to the Champions League final. We've got to multiple FA Cup semi-finals. Got to multiple League Cup finals, uh, and we just haven't got over the line for one reason or the other. Yeah, no, that's, absolutely. That's, that's that's the only point I just I just want to make, and and that's not blaming Harry or anything, but when I when I see the things that 
that that Daniel Levy or Enoch have let Harry down. I, I totally understand that sentiment. And there's no doubt they could have done a heck of a lot more. But we have been in three finals and we have been in two title challenges and we have been in a Champions League final. So to say that the opportunities for these players, you know, when we lost Gareth Bell, we weren't in the Champions League. We were nowhere near winning a trophy in, in the reality in Gareth Bell's time. And Real Madrid was definitely the, the step up for him. But, but this group of players, not just Harry, the Sonnies, the Eric Dyers, the, the Tobies, they've had the opportunities to win trophies at Tottenham. They have been there. They've had four years in the Champions League. They've had three finals. They've had a Champions League final, which, let's be fair, is the biggest game in club football. And they've been in two title challenges. So to say we haven't matched, we haven't given Harry, you know, matched the ambitions, I agree to a certain degree, but I don't wholeheartedly agree with that because the opportunities have been there. Mm. And that's not blaming Harry. I'm not saying Harry has let us down or anything like that. I'm just saying it's not 100% down to Enoch there. I think there's an element that says some of it is down to Enoch, not giving us a better squad, you could say, to compete in those finals. But they've had those finals. Opportunities have been there and we haven't taken them. And we've barely had a shot into those finals. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Harry himself, and, and again, I'm not having to go because I would have picked Harry for both finals. But Maybe, maybe if Harry said I'm fit when he wasn't fit, that's part of the reason he hasn't got two medals. Maybe, maybe. So maybe a little bit of that, a tiny bit of that is on Harry himself declaring himself fit for two finals if he wasn't fit for them. I think he also, did he? He came back for one of the semi-finals we lost, didn't he? Uh, Was it the Man oh, United semi-final? I think it he came back for Came back, yes. Yeah, he you, came you back may for well that be and right. again didn't yeah. look fit. So again, sure somebody will Harry correct in? us on that if that's wrong. I think it might have been the Man United one that we lost that Harry came back for when mm. he'd been out with an injury. So again, was that part of it? Maybe. I, I, I totally understand why we picked Kane for those finals, but maybe Harry himself is a tiny element of saying, I could have I could have been more honest with myself and maybe sat on the bench, come on for 20 minutes, and maybe we'd have won one. We might have still lost them, but would our chances of winning them have improved if we'd have had a fit player rather than an unfit player? I don't know. And then other people will say, other people will say, well, if Enoch had bought a proper backup striker, we wouldn't have even able to pick Kane. And that's that's a fair argument as well. Yeah, yeah. Chase, Chase, sorry, lads. Just I want to come in there as well. That we've been also very unlucky on a few occasions. You know, some of the decisions we sort of brought on ourselves, you know, starting Vaughan in that semi-final you mentioned, Jace, against Man United, when Lloris was fit and ready, you know, and Vaughan let one roll underneath him from Herrera. Uh, and he, he was very poor. We then selected Sun at left wing back against Chelsea at Wembley in an yeah. FA Cup yeah, semi-final. Yeah. And he gave away a penalty. I mean, some of the decisions have been just mind-bogglingly stupid, haven't they? So, yeah. you know, whilst it was a strange decision for us, Chelsea made some strange ones on the day, but won the game 4-2. Yeah, listen, as much as there's a validity in the points that you make, I think most people's frustrations is that we've crept and crept and crept towards getting to these finals, building something, and yet there just hasn't been that backing from the club to progress it, you know, it's like we've got to a point and 
it doesn't feel like anybody at the border, Enoch, goes, okay, well, we've got to here. Can we? Can we go that bit further? If we do this, can we push it? Let's progress from that. Let's do this. And, you know, we, we've hit those dizzy heights of a Champions League final and done very well. And now we are where we are. And it just feels like, it just feels a million, million miles away. And it's just... You know, it's down to the club not to let that slip like that. You know, it's down to them to yeah. put the foot on yeah, the yeah, ball yeah. off the pitch, if you like, and go, hang on a minute, this is going bent here and we need to do something and do it and, and get back. But it just seems to be slipping and slipping. And this is, I think, why we're seeing so much of the frustration now with, with everything. And I think coupled with that, we see the club, um, you know, building cinemas and building this and building that to the, the training ground and everything. And like I've said on the show before, if Tottenham played in the road, I'd watch them from the curb, you know? Yeah, so yeah. as lovely as that stadium is, and I get why they built it, and as lovely as that training ground is, you know, I've been lucky enough to go there and interview Gareth Bell. But for everybody else... You can't even see that training ground from the road. It makes no difference to me, you or anybody else as a fan, what they've got there. I get that it probably could attract players, but these things are not tangible improvements to you as a fan, because as long as you've got your ass on a chair in a stadium, it could be White Hart Lane or it could be the new lane. It, you see where I'm, where I'm coming from, you know? So that side of it, everything just seems to be so brilliant so well done but almost at the cost of what we go for and what our experience of the club so I think this is where the, the main frustration is well, coming from well as I say I think his, his program notes tonight partly agreed with that didn't he where he said we were too focused on the the stadium and too focused on the pandemics and we would you know I, th I think he said we we weren't focused or we took our eye off or something like that off of mm. what was going on the pitch now that's an admission from him I think he is he is listening to some of the fans but like, like everything about the club like the players that keep saying it's a big game and then don't show up for it mm. Daniel if you have heard those things and you have written those things having listened it's no good just writing them down you must yeah. you words must take easy. action on them words, words are, are easy yeah, and so very, this very summer easy. This summer, you've got to do better. And, and I mean, in the in the recruitment side, you know, everyone talks about we could have had this player and we could have had that player. You know, the Bruno Fernandes one is, is the strange one because Sporting Lisbon's president that summer said the only serious offer that they received that summer was from Tottenham. It was the only club injury when I think he was available for about 38 million or something that summer or Tottenham offered 38 million. There wasn't another club that was prepared to offer anywhere near the 38 million that Tottenham were. So they made the attempt, but it appears that our number one target was going to be Lo Celso that summer. Mm. And so we weren't going to go for Fernandez as the number two. Whatever the reason was, we decided that Lo Celso was the number one target and we ended up getting the number one target. Yeah. Now everyone's saying, well, we should have gone for Fernandes, but Tottenham did make a serious offer when nobody else was offering. Yeah, but, yeah. but there you go. So if our recruitment had been better, maybe if, if Potts or whoever had said, or Hitchin had said, look, we have to get this one, 
we'd have got him and not not Giovanni Lacelso, but we made the conscious effort to sign Lacelso, and we made a massive conscious effort that summer to go and sign who everyone said was the number one target was Tongi and Dombele. Mm. Yeah. So you know yeah. the board to a degree that summer did do some things to to improve the team, but the recruitment side on both of those players yeah. has yeah. been honest the, the repayment from them both has been shocking. Sessignon's been out on, so we, you know, I, I, I agree with John. I, I think there's a player in Sessignon, but for the 30 million we gave Fulham, he, he started what six games in two yeah. years. So, a guy and Jack Clark hasn't started a game or in a Premier League game at all. So, that 140 million we spent that summer has been a total waste of 140 million, hasn't it, so far? That, uh, I mean, Daniel Levy's programme notes and end of season statement, John, where he says, well, you know, we have spent £250 million and almost heralded it as a, as a great thing. But it's also damning, absolutely damning, that with that £250 million spent and who we've got in and, you know, the, the, the failure of some of those players, it's the recruitment... Is shocking, and 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 I sort of go back to the cane point. If we are given 150 million pounds by somebody, you're handing over 150 million pounds to Hitchin, and like, and I'm sorry, but I have just got no faith in him or Enoch to to spend that money wisely. I really haven't. Yeah, look, it's like putting money down the drain. I'm, I'm not being funny. I, you know, we, we said earlier, club didn't back. Uh, Tottenham after the Champions League final. Well, they did spend 140 million, as, as Jay said. You know, that's a lot of money, more than we probably spent before in one single window. Mm. Um, huge players on big money, and, and we've had no end product from them. We've had a couple of bits here and there, but nothing like a, a full 38 game season of hard work, dedication, and you know, effort for the cause, have we? We've seen nothing from any of the four over a sustained period of time. And this summer, yeah, I've got no faith we spend the money well. You know, Hitchin doesn't seem to do his due diligence correctly on players. And yet, after we spent that money and they didn't perform, he then got some sort of internal promotion. I mean, it is laughable. Yeah, Where is yeah. the, the questions on this guy? Where is the, you know, the, the seconding? It just seems like he's got total jurisdiction to do as and what he wants. Yeah. Some guy that had a career playing for Chesterfield and Macclesfield. It's just not good enough. It really isn't. It's, no. it's embarrassing. You know, our club can be the eighth richest club in world football. Have that stadium, have that training ground. And then have people like that employed. It doesn't add up. And I've got no faith. I would actually prefer we got the 150 million, we gave 50 straight to Leicester just to have a look at their transfer list. And we <laughs> spent the other 100 from that. Honestly, I would. It's, it's, it's absolutely you know, true. Pick out Wesley Fofana from, from St Etienne in France. Where were we looking at him? You know, yeah. why weren't we looking? Why haven't we got better scouts than Leicester? I don't understand yeah. how we're yeah. so poor at recruiting players time and time yeah. again. It's beyond frustrating. Yeah. And to add to it, it just flashed up on my phone that Arsenal scored a last minute winner at Palace, 90th minute. Oh, man. And that just adds to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Free. Fuck me. I mean, we're going to finish below them now. It's just unthinkable. Yeah. really is. Yeah. It's just, it just sinks worse and worse and worse, doesn't it? Listen, I think it's time that we take a little break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in the second part of the show. Uh, I think we sort of need to, we've looked at the, the playing side and future of Spurs. Um, we'll have a little discussion around the future of maybe some of those that sit above the dugout 
in the uh, director's box and what we think the future holds uh, for them. And of course, we'll also uh, be looking forward to Leicester at the weekend. Oh, how much are we looking forward to Leicester at the weekend? That would be great, wouldn't it? Don't go anywhere. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. And we are back. And once again, thank you for, for tuning in, downloading, streaming Last Word on Spurs and sticking with us. Uh, hoping this is acting as a little bit of therapy for you. Once again, as Ricky always says when he's hosting. And uh, yeah, li listen, we do really appreciate all your feedback, all your comments, sticking with us, downloading. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a tricky old time. But if we circle the wagons, we might just get through this. Uh, we are available across all your social medias on uh, on the Twitter, on the Facebooks, on your on your Instagrams. That's what you're saying. Football parlance in it. Your Jack Grealishes, your Harry Kanes, your Deli Alleys, your, your your Mason Mounts. Like you have to the plurals of them, isn't it? So yeah, you're on your Facebooks, we're on your Twitters, we're on your Instagrams across the lot. So uh, as I say, thank you, thank you, thank you for downloading, listening, and interacting. So. Um, yes, yeah, so as I said uh, in the first half of the show, uh, Jason, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you. And uh, full, the full-time uh, whistle blows today. Uh, and even before, before that, now, today's game, £60 to get in. £60 British pounds to get in. The dearest game of all the Premier League. Uh, against Villa, who, who was deriding a little bit, but let's face it, come and served us up today quite easily, to be honest. So £60, they've chucked in a free pie. Oh, well, thanks very much. Man City are flying all their fans out to the Champions League final. Please take note. Um, they've stuck everybody in the upper tier of the, of the stadium, the, the upper tier, far away from the game cameras, far away from the game's microphones so that nothing can be picked up from the crowd, but you could still hear the boos. You could still hear the Levy outs being sung, the chants. Um, so, and at full time, the, 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 the full time whistle goes and the stadium PA gets cranked up to try and drown out the booze. And believe me, ladies and gents, I've seen videos sent through from people that was there. There was big, big booze. And there was toxicity, uh, toxicity towards the chairman as he left his seat uh, to go back to the uh, director's box. Now, this is people that were willing to pay £60 to attend, as, as John said, said earlier. So... How, they, they can't hide away forever because eventually that bottom tier is going to get people in it. So it just seemed that really cynical, almost North Korea-esque. Surely, surely there's going to come a time when this toxicity and this pressure has got to take its toll on some of those members of the board, hasn't it? Absolutely. And um, 
there, there was no excuse for it. The £60 a ticket was, as you say, outrageous when other teams have been nowhere near that. Um, you know, the, the fact that you could get 10,000, it was a chance to to do a, a good bit of PR and say to our fans, look, we know you've missed all season. It has been a, a very disappointing season. They've, they've, you know, weeks ago when they were planning those tickets, there was no reason for them to do £60 a ticket. And as you say, a free pie, well, dear, oh dear, that, that's about the best you could get. But then to have spent £60 a ticket to, to be set up in the, not quite in the gods because we know it's, it's, there are still good views there, but uh, to not be able to be close to the pitch, to not actually want the fans to be seen by the mm-hmm. cameras, seemed a, a strange thing. When every other team is is delighted to welcome fans back, it was almost as if it was a it was a nuisance to us. And, and you're right, I think it, there was that the, the fear of um, maybe one or two banners coming out, and and and, and the fear of a, a, somebody running onto the pitch or anything like that. And so they they took. They took the option, as you say, to make sure no no form of protest or whatever could be seen, and that is that is scary, and that is um, that's disrespectful to our supporters. Uh, I mean, we've talked enough about protests on here over over the weekend and things, but uh, to to drown it out and to do it in in such a in a cynical in, in cynical. such a cynical way, yeah, it, it, it's so open to see that uh, there there is no excuse for that. And if, if Daniel's program, and this is what I mean, it's one thing for Daniel to write those things in the in the program. It's another thing to take action on it. And he he should realise he should have shown more understanding the situation. But the the sad thing is, we've it's another thing that having written that we've taken our eyes off it, we've lost what matters. Well, there was a chance to prove us wrong, and you've mm. you've missed that the first opportunity type of thing. So it, it doesn't look good on the club. It certainly doesn't look good on Daniel and. Um, there was no excuse for it. No, absolutely. John, coming to you and, it, uh, you know, as you said, six, £60 pounds a ticket to be hidden away and then, you know, uh, away from the game. No, just the whole way the fans are treated currently by the club. I mean, let's call it as it is. It it just stinks, you know. We, we don't feel like fans at the moment. We feel like customers. And it's... It's not that difficult to get right, is it? There's there's a few things that you can do just to make it feel a, a bit better, surely. Yeah, it's easy to do these things right. And again, it comes back to the issue of disappointing people employed by the club. They'll have people in the PR department at the club that are obviously paid very well that just continuously get things wrong. And that comes from above. That comes from the board. Mm. That comes from Daniel Levy. That comes from Donna Cullen. That comes from Matthew Colcott and the others that sit at that top level at the club. They're the decision makers. They're the ones that pass the message down. And they're the actions that get carried out. Sitting the fans up there tonight was an absolute disgrace. You know, let's not sugarcoat this. Those are the fans that are not the ones, you know, maybe some of them were protesting, but those are the fans that are willing to spend 60 quid Mm. to go in there and support the club. Even I haven't spent 60 quid to go on tonight. I've seen the price and I said, no, I'm not doing it. Out of principle, I paid 52 quid to go and watch us play Arsenal. That's a Category 1 game, or Category A game, whatever you want to call it. Villa are a newly promoted side this season before last. How can you charge 60 quid for that? How can you mm. charge more for that than a North London derby yeah. where I got to sit in the South Lower? Yeah. Come on. you know. And, and don't liberty. forget, really this season as well, they'd actually budgeted for nobody to be in that stadium. They actually forecast and budgeted for nobody to be there. So every penny that they got for tonight's game was actually bunts. 
So they, you know, they they could they could have done something with that and didn't. And I think this is just another straw on the camel's back of frustrations with with the club presently, isn't it? Yeah, massively so. And I mean, those people that were there tonight, maybe they'll be turning against Levy and Enoch now. You know, it was a a missed opportunity for the club tonight to repair some of the irreversible damage. Really, they've done this season on multiple fronts. We'll go back all the way to. Um, you know, furloughing the staff and then panicking and changing their mind on that. The the, the Super League, you know, the, the prices for tonight. I mean, there's been multiple errors the whole way down the season. Appointing Mourinho, sacking Mourinho before the cup final, if you like that or didn't like that. Um, and it's just been bad blood all along the way. And yeah. also tonight, a thing that we've not mentioned yet, the club announced a couple of weeks ago we were going to wear our new kit this evening. And then that was just pulled as well. You know, no explanation as to why. I mean, they've yeah. bottled a kit launch. What next? honestly I shouldn't I shouldn't really I uh, shouldn't really laugh but it, it almost gets to a point where everything is just so badly judged that you just sort of go like it just it does you you laugh out of sheer frustration you know you it's like them stages of grief where you're just laughing at, at things like you know and the, the thing is I think it comes from the culture of the club and that's that's the thing and as John's I'm sure there are they go and recruit top people from PR and and they get they get certain levels of staff but if the culture of the club comes down from Daniel and that and you've, you've worked for them for a year 18 months eventually when you when you're proposing things you already know the types of things he's going to approve and disapprove of mm. so you start to work under the culture of that rather than somebody that would walk in their branch bank and say, you're going to do what? Charge 60 quid? Are you, you having a laugh? Don't be yeah. stupid. This is a yeah. chance for you to earn a few brownie points. And maybe the person that makes those decisions would have thought that way 18 months, two years, two and a half years ago. But yeah. such is the culture of Daniel to get every last penny from everything that that culture eventually filters through all those departments. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... I mean, Daniel's had the good news in the last week about the NFL coming back in October. He's had that guaranteed money, the American visitors, if they're allowed to, to travel, but not just that, the actual fees for hosting the fixture. The fact that Wembley's contract with the NFL has run out. I mean, he's had that good news. Why mm. couldn't he have shown his, should be his number one interest, the actual life and blood of the club, the fans, some loyalty with that? I don't understand. But to charge him 60 quid and to serve him the leftovers from the Norwich Cup game a couple of years ago, it's prophetic, <laughs> it really is. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely crazy. I just, I hope and pray that, you know, they begin to see some merit in you know, how we're talking to them tonight and trying to engage them. And, you know, there's been a lot of conjecture over the way that protest and speaking, engaging with the club and, you know, fractions within the fans of, the protest has to be this and the protest has to be that. You know, I, I, I think that there's much merit in the way that we try and engage with the club and the way we try and point out the, the way things are, are going are, are going wrong, you know. And I, I think if just enough people come together and engage the club and Enoch and Daniel and everybody else in, in a manner like this, you know, matter of fact, just presenting our, our gripes and not screaming and shouting as such, 
surely it, it, it has to hit home at some stage. So, Jason, do you think uh, do you think Daniel survives this? Do you think he might get moved sideways eventually if the toxicity just uh, c- carries on? I say toxicity it just in in because that is the word for it. I think people have got a valid right to be this angry over it and to voice their concerns. So I don't want toxicity to sound like it's people being toxic and horrible. They're not. They are just genuinely voicing their concerns. Can I, can I just make one quick point? When uh, when you talk to the protest, we, we've had a lot going backwards and forwards about the protest this week. I just want to make one point really clear. At no stage did Lee McQueen call any protester a drunken idiot? No. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, Don't no. believe the headline. At no stage did he say they were drunken idiots. No. Um, uh, will Daniel survive it? I think he will do because he, he has the, the, what is it, the 30% share of the club. He's not going to go anywhere as chairman unless, unless Tottenham get bought. And as I've said all along, I don't see somebody coming up with that. But we do need Daniel to to take a, a sideward step, to take a backward step, whatever, to, to allow football people to run the football inside. Um, as I say, the culture of the club has to change. Daniel has to, you know, has to understand that. He needs, he needs people in that ballroom, whether that's fan voice. I, I, I think that's a, an appeasement thing. I don't think he'll listen to a fan's voice. But he needs somebody that he, he does respect, that he does have, have a, a football person on there, really start to get in his ear and say, Daniel, change this, change that. Whether he gets, whether he gets a Glenn Oddle involved, whether he gets, I don't know who, but he, he needs somebody in his ear to, to, whenever he's sitting there and he says, right, this is what I propose, that they will say, hold on, Daniel, think about that. Just don't send that out yet. Just just sleep on it overnight and, and have yeah. a little rethink here. Um but he has to change or reset his ways, that's for sure. And I think there, there is, as you say, there are a lot of moderate people. I mean, I've never been uh, openly critical of Daniel Levy on shows. I'm ready for change. You know, I'd, I'd say I am a moderate. I'd, I'd say I do try and see both sides of the argument. I do try to think things through, not do knee-jerk. But even I am fed up with the way the club's being run. So, yeah. you know, for those yeah. as well that say last word on sports are pro-Levy, no, we're not. I think every single one of the six of us as, as six or seven regulars constantly talks about lack of investment at the club. We've, we're all disgruntled at the way the club's running. So yeah. last word yeah. on Spurs is not pro-Daniel Levy or pro-Enic whatsoever, and n- neither are we receiving any money or any official communications with the football club. That's another point to make. <laughs> but um, we are six guys, six guys or seven independent guys that all Sorry, have seven Jason, ideas. I, I do have to laugh when people suggest that, but we can we getting yeah. <laughs> can you imagine Daniel Levy don't get his wallet out for anything, does he? Let alone six or seven blokes gathered together around some micros, no, microphones and not. a Zoom and a Zoom meeting. <laughs> you got no chance. And, <laughs> and neither did we receive any money from Amazon to be part of their documentary last year. It's, it's you know, people's ideas of that is, is ridiculous. Oh, but we, we all have our own views. Uh, and John's views on certain things will be different to mine. And, and mine will be different to Ants. And Ants mm. will be different to Ricky's. Yeah. And that's why Last Word on Spurs won't come out with a broad statement. Because if, if we do, 
six of the seven regulars disagree with that statement anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Last word doesn't exist as anything other than a vehicle for six or seven people's views. So there is no last word on Spurs to put a statement out. It's a collection of people with their views and six or seven sometimes differing views. So... That, no, that you're right. I mean, last word on Spurs has said that. No, they haven't. Last word on Spurs doesn't say anything. It's you know, exactly, you might as well yeah. say you know, ten people on the bus. The bus said something. No, they didn't. There's ten people sat on a bus. It's just a bus. No, it just happens to be exactly. a podcast bus. It's just it, it's a, it's an absolute nonsense. But th- there you go. We are where we are. Social media, ladies and gentlemen, you got to love it, uh, John. For you and uh, Daniel, just before we go to the uh, break and get the Leicester preview, does he does he survive this? I mean, or, or move sideways, or it, it can't can't carry on once that stadium's full, can it? Yeah, look, my honest opinion is he will remain. He owns, as Jason said, I think it's twenty nine or thirty percent of the club, so that requires someone buying out his stake, which is three or four hundred million. He'd probably value it at. It, it ain't gonna happen, basically. So as much as people can scream and shout for him to go. It's not like uh, the Glazer at Man United who could step down, uh, Woodward, pardon me, at Man United who could step down as an employee. Daniel Levy has a stake in the club, has voting rights in the club, and it's not that easy for him just to be removed. So you need to buy him out of his his share. And also you need approval from the other board members to do so. And he's pretty close with those other board members, like Uncle Joe, etc. So that ain't going to happen. But what can happen, I think what will happen, if fan protests continue, if anger towards Enoch continues, someone will have to take a bullet. Now look, and not not literal bullet, but, you know, step aside and, and yeah. move away from the club. Yeah. And for me, the easy thing for him to do, very easy, and it can make me incredibly happy and get me back on side like that, get hitching out, get in the top level director of football so that when we are spending money, we're spending it wisely. We're mm. not spending money on, on shit that we then regret spending it on and yeah. struggle to offload window after window later yeah. and offers nothing positive to the squad. You know, yeah. let's, that could, you know, if we signed one person this summer, if you got me a director of football, who has proven to be a success over a number of years, I would take that. You know, yeah. that would be a start yeah. for me. It would be suddenly we were moving upwards and not just treading water or regressing the whole time. Yeah. Because I look at the players we've let go, Kyle Walker, not being replaced, you know. Trippier was bought as a backup to four million quid from Burnley and he did well as a backup and he did well for a season and did well for England. And then we sold him for 20 million. But he was never at the level of Kyle Walker, was he? You know, that's not no, unfair to no. say. Then Aurier came in for 23 million quid. Never been up to it. He's had a few odd good games here and there, but he's always a liability. We'll always let you down. And this summer, it looks like he's finally going to be moving on with 12 months left. Dembele's never been replaced. You know, he missed Dembele massively. He was, a, he was a great player. I know he only had a bit of revisionism goes on with Dembele because people make out as if he was the player he was at the end for five or six seasons. He simply wasn't. He had a lot of injuries at the beginning, never scored. Would couldn't really get in the team actually for the first couple of years here and there he was in and out with a lot of injury problems but those last couple of years we had Dembele especially that last year at the lane where we had him Wanyama and Bayer all in their peak of their careers basically in terms of the levels was phenomenal mm. um, you know we go up to Man City away and he bossed Yaya Torre you know that's the level he was he was fantastic we've never replaced him Ericsson we haven't replaced and we've tried to replace them with players like Le Celso and Endombele but they haven't cut it whatever people say to me about they can do this or that, or there's these compilation clips of them, you know, doing 360 turns on the halfway line. That ain't giving you what Ericsson was giving you. 10 league goals a season, 15 assists, covering 15 kilometres a game, sheer running, you know. Mm. They just don't add up. We're missing yeah. that for your team massively. We've not replaced those players. And then you add Deli Ali to that, who was scoring 18 league goals 
you know, and now he's not getting the minutes or he's not delivering that level of performance. So we've lost a lot without replacing uh, with the right level of replacement. So hopefully this summer, if we can get a new director of football in. Yeah, Vertonghen, mate. Help. Yeah, Vertonghen. Yeah, Vertonghen as massive well. Loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, is, it is a massive loss. And you know what? If you get a director of football in that is up to it, none of them get 100%, right? You know, Fergie bought Jemba Jemba. Uh, Wenger bought... Uh, uh, um, uh, Oleg Luzny, uh, 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 yeah, Fr- Franny Jeffers, yeah. I mean, you know, even Leicester, Slimani just hasn't worked out there, has he? But if you can be hitting 75 80% of your recruitment and not the current 50 50 that we seem to be on, then you know, you can't even 50 50. I would take 50 50, it's not 50 50. Yeah, someone mentioned 140 million. Look, do any of them get into our strongest team, really? No. No, no. That was no. a whole summer, 140 million quid. It's depressing. It really is. Yeah, very much so. Anyway, ladies and gents, uh, we're going to take another break. You'll be hearing uh, from our Leicester fan doing the Leicester preview, who I'm sure is going to be a little bit happier than, than all of us with the way things are going at the moment. So uh, do do give it a, a listen if if you can, if you can bear to, uh, to hear how wonderful it is at other clubs at the moment. And uh, then we'll be back to give you our thoughts on Leicester and the last day of the season. One more to go, everyone. Just one more to go. And then you, you can all give everybody a flavour of what it's like to be a Spurs fan uh, to the rest of the country when England go into the Euros because England very much like... Uh, like Spurs, promise a lot and then just let you down right at that last moment. But we, we always live in hope. Don't go anywhere. Hey up, guys. Thank you for having me back on the show. It's Lee Chappy here, Leicester fan. Previewing the game, I've got to say, the FA Cup was something special to win. Um, we are, as a team and as a fan, uh, we're absolutely buzzing. The city is still buzzing for winning the FA Cup for the first time in our history. 1884, we was formed. Uh, four finals, didn't win it. Finally got the bag in the fifth. We finally won the flipping trophy on the fifth final. It took us that long to get hold of. But hey, we finally did it. And I think you could see out there on the pitch against Chelsea losing 2-1. The lads looked very very sluggish, like they had been partying a fair bit. But fair play to them if they had. You know, I think it was rightly deserved. Um, top four finish. Mm, looking like it's going to slip out of our hands now, unfortunately. But at least we got some silverware this season. Um, I think that's the most important part, isn't it? Silverware, that's where you start the season. You start thinking, let's win a cup. Let's win the Premier League. Let's win something. Uh, so we have done that. It's been, a, I'd say, a, a successful season for Leicester if we don't get top four and still finish with the FA Cup. It gets you into Europa League at the end of the day. And we are still a building project. Uh, you know, Leicester's been building for quite some time since winning the Premier League. Uh, and I think we can go further and further and further and beyond yet to where we are now. But let's look at the fixture right now um, with Leicester versus Spurs at the King Power Stadium. 2-0 in the first fixture away at Spurs. Um, cracking result. But unfortunately, finishing at the King Power Stadium, I'm a little bit hesitant on the uh, on the result because we've lost a hell of a lot of games at the King Power. We've lost to Fulham. We've lost to Aston Villa. We've lost to Everton. And recently lost to Newcastle 4-2, which probably has cost us our top four finish. 
Um, so the home form, it just hasn't been great. But we do have the Foxes there for the game. We're going to have the Foxes fans in attendance for this fixture. And hopefully that will uh, rally on the troops to, to get the win. Now, looking at the lineups, I'm thinking James Madison's way off the pace. He's been off the pace for quite some time. Didn't start for the FA Cup final, got subbed on. Um, he's looked way off the pace again against Chelsea. And he's looked out of form for quite some time. Very sluggish, very slow. Uh, injury, injury problems? Yeah, I reckon so. Uh, and the same again goes for some of the other players as well. Looks very sluggish out there against Chelsea. Jamie Vardy still not scoring, although creating some space and you know running down the wings. Maybe he has had to do that because we've lost Harvey Barnes and James Justin on that left side, both through injury. James Justin out till around Christmas time, and uh, unfortunately for England, the young Harvey Barnes will not make the Euros, which is another bad 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 uh, hit for for England international level, but also bad for the Foxes because that left side has not looked as good without them. The pair. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a prediction of, because the Foxes are there, that the fans are there, I'm going to go for Leicester just narrowly to get the win. I'm going to go for 1-0 to the Foxes. Um, we have to get more than one, though, I think, to get top four. It's going to go on your, your goal score, your goal difference. And as it stands on recording this audio, goal difference isn't... It's, it, there's not much between Chelsea and Liverpool in all on honestly, but it's down to the results there end too. So it's a it's a mad rush for that top four spot, but uh, yeah, I'm all for it. If we get it, we get it. It's icing on the cake, but this season is definitely a successful season. We've won the FA Cup. It's something that uh, only six sides have done: winning the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the Premier League, um, or whatever you want to call it, the English League One division, whatever the old division, whatever you want to call it, the Premier League title, uh, we're only one of six teams to do it, so uh, you know, I, I'm more than proud and happy to have what we've achieved this season, uh, good luck boys, honestly, you've you've had some dodgy rumours with Tottenham Hotspur, uh, you know, Harry Kane leaving, um, I don't know how true that is, you've had obviously Jose Mourinho leave, uh, you, you, you're looking for a new manager as well, hands off Brendan Rodgers, he isn't coming to you boys, even if you don't want him, or if you do want him, he's not coming to Tottenham Hotspur. He's going to definitely stay at Leicester City. You can see it from those celebrations with the owner, Mr. Ioat. We call him Top. Um, he's got a cracking relationship at the club, cracking relationship with the fans, and he loves it in Leicestershire as well. He's always out and about at Braggart Park, our national park. You won't see Brendan Rodgers leaving Leicester City this year, maybe in a couple of years, three years' time. But, like I said, I will go for a 1-0 for the fixture. Good luck for next season, boys. Take care out there and uh, stay safe, everyone. Follow me at Lee underscore Chappie on all social platforms. Thank you for having me on the show yet again. Take care, guys. And we are back. Thank you so, so much for that Leicester preview. Um, so I'll start with you first, John. And it feels a little bit really like Leicester on Sunday what does it really matter now? I don't, I don't think we can even make the Conference League. Can we the Europa Conference League now? I think it's all done, isn't it? I mean, our goal difference is significantly better than, than some of the others. And I still personally do think it's important to try and finish above Arsenal. But we've put ourselves in a really tough place to do that now. Because I know fans like to make out as if it doesn't matter and we're above that. But look, we're not really. When they do finish above us on Sunday, they'll let us know about it. And it will get on our nerves and it will really piss me off. So... 
for me, it is important. We do try and finish above them, but we've we've put ourselves in a, a nightmare position now. Basically, we have to go to Leicester and win. What are the chances of us doing that? Minimal. You know, mm. let's be realistic about this. They're coming off the back of a huge FA Cup win for them. This will be their first time playing in front of fans. They'll be goading us non-stop about winning things recently, whereas we haven't. It's going to be a long day at Leicester. You know, they'll want to reward their fans with their FA Cup at the end and have their lap of honour in celebration. They'll also be battling for a place in the top four. There's a lot riding on that game for Leicester. If the Tottenham players couldn't get up for home against Villa tonight, what faith have I got they're going to bother to get up for Leicester on, on Sunday? Very little. Yeah. It's going to be a long afternoon and uh, a long summer, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Jason, Leicester away Sunday and um, I, I'm not sure. John might be out of point us with this as well. If we do end up getting beat, which, you know, let's face it and be real, could well happen. Uh, I don't know where that sort of leaves us. I suppose it depends on other results with Europe or Europa Conference. Uh, but, you know, judging by what I've seen with this Europa Conference League, I think we might just be better off out of it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not I'm not keen to, to go into the Europa Conference League. Uh, I know what John says about finishing a, above the lot down the road, but if the choice is them in it or us in it, I'd sooner them go into it. Um, but uh, and I, I don't take any pride in finishing above Arsenal when we'll be eighth and their ninth either. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd sooner be third to their second than us eighth to their ninth. At least we'd have something for the season. So, you know, um, I think Leicester, Leicester have everything to play for, desperate for it, uh, confident on the back of a cup result. No, they didn't play particularly well at Chelsea. Uh, our best hope of, to me, our best hope of getting a result there is if they're they're only one nil up going into the last ten minutes and they get a little bit nervy and and try and hold on to it and maybe we nick something. But mm. I, I can't see that happening. I think I think my prediction would be three one Leicester, three one. Um, yeah, and we'll yeah. just you know it, it's sad, but I don't even think Harry's going to end up getting a golden boot and for him to miss out on on that accolade this season will just be the the final straw kind of thing because he he of all people deserves something a personal achievement to go through for it that's for sure but with yeah. Salah playing what is it the second half against Burnley and I think they've got Palace at the weekend I can't see Harry scoring enough outscoring Salah over the weekend so it, yeah. it'll be harsh on him but you know as you say Leicester will certainly off the pitch their fans will be letting us know that they're still waiting for us and uh, you know they've won more than us and Vardy's won more than us and you got no hope of getting Brendan Rodgers. It's almost the worst. I can't think of a worse possible away game to have. Yeah, yeah. No, you are. You, you're. You're absolutely right. It's. Uh... It's bleak. It's very, very bleak. And uh, listen, ladies and gents, when when it's this low, there's only one way you can go with it all, and uh, and that's to start hopefully pointing up. I just I can't see how it can sink any lower. To to be honest, but uh, we are where we are, and we always live in hope and um, just just hope, 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 hope. That's all I can say is just hope. But things can turn around. Somebody can come in, can galvanise us, and a, a few miracles happen. So, uh, listen, John, thank you so much uh, for coming on this evening, and uh, and all and all the season. I know we've got the end of season, the last game uh, review. Ricky's back in the seat for after the Leicester game, and there's a few of us jumping on just to have a look at that game and the season. But um, absolute stalwart. Uh, 
uh, guesting and uh, thank thank you so much. Go and have yourself a lasagna and chips. <laughs> True Steve Hitchin fashion. Look, hopefully that'll be the last mention of him because when we're doing these shows next season, he'll be gone and that'll be a good start. So look, I'm hopeful there's still some positivity to come for Tottenham Hotspur, but it feels like a long way away now and I imagine it still will on Sunday. But just keep the faith, guys, and as always, come on your Spurs. Excellent stuff. Jason, as ever, thank you very much uh, for all your contribution and uh, for this evening on uh, yet another difficult show. Well, I was lucky. I missed most of the season anyway, mate. I, I had a, I had a, an, an arterial cruciate ligament injury or something like that. But, um, you know, sadly, the departure of Jose hasn't really brought about the heralded restart we wanted. And unlike, and I'm probably not excited for the summer, I'm intrigued. I think, you know, it'd be intriguing to see which way this club goes, what changes the club makes over the summer, just how many players will go in and out. And, um, you know, even down to Hugo with a year left, do you even look to move Hugo on? Number of players like that, as well as Harry's and and, and the Delhi Alleys and things. So it's just going to be an intriguing summer. I'm not optimistic for the summer. I'm just intrigued to see, and I want to see this club make a real intent to go in a single direction yeah. and, and get yeah. us all back on board because we need it. We need it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, ladies and gents, as ever, keep safe, keep well. More important things than football, only just, but there, there, there really is. Uh, I'm off now because I've got to get myself down to the marina and jump on Amazon and Joe Lewis's yacht and because uh, I've been given a nice holiday on that, which, is, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. So I'll try and join you uh, for Sunday's show as long as I've got some Wi-Fi or 4G off the, off the back of Amazon's uh, yacht, which uh, I'm sure all the other chaps will be helicoptered out to after the show as well. So uh, thank you very much. As always... Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.